You're listening to audio from St. Luke Church in Lexington, Kentucky. If you'd like to learn more or donate to this ministry, please check out our website at stlukelex.com. keep it up, I'll be up here doing the MC Hammer. Well, we are continuing on our journey of discovering that God is actually in search of us, so we don't need to journey anywhere. Uh, Last week, we kicked it off in the garden, and we were able to see how Adam and Eve had taken matters into their own hands. You see, they had not trusted God and who God was, who God is, and that he had made humans in his image as part of this good creation, that they were good, that they were God's people. And instead, what they did is they allowed the deception of the servant to tell them that there was something more, something else that could be had that was out there. And this whisper in their ears, well, it told them that, what they thought they knew to be true. Well, maybe it's not so true. Maybe there's more. And all they have to do is go and take hold of the world and they can know what God knows. And they believed this. And because they believed it, death entered the world. And so what we learned is that this isn't something that happened a long time ago to those people and we just read about it. Rather, this is something that happens to us. It cycles repeatedly as we believe and live into the same lies only to then run and hide just like Adam and Eve did because we end up filled with shame. So when we buy into the lies of this world, We are losing sight of who God is. And this focus, well, it begins to shift. Well, then who am I? What is my meaning? What is my purpose? And we go out looking for it. And then it begins to to become the questions of, well, is there anything besides waking up day after day after day to do it all again? And when nothing answers those questions, and the question of who I am then becomes How can I find my meaning? How can I make something of myself as I pick myself up by the bootstraps to then go out and create a life for myself? We're going to read together our scripture today. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. 
Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of the, all the earth and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Great. Genesis chapter 11, 1 through 9. Now, whenever I read this story, this strange little association pops into my head, and it says, if you build it, he will come. And at first, I really did dismiss. I was like, no, that's too random. And then I realized, no, it's, it's not at all. And some of you may be too young to remember this, but many of you, I'm sure, have seen it. Did, any hands? We got some takers. All right, some fairly, fairly familiar. Well, this came out in 1989, which means I was seven. And I was sitting in the floor at, at, in their living room watching it with my family. Well, you all, who... Please tell me who, other than this guy, apparently, does all of this work to have ghosts come and play baseball in their backyard? It was so creepy as a little girl going this, the whole plot line just went way over my head. And it was years later that I discovered, while it was a strange way of telling the story, that it was a plot line that we're all pretty familiar you see Ray, that guy, he was a, a farmer and he had hit a midlife crisis. And he had become concerned that after all of this time, he had made nothing for himself and that he was concerned about getting older. And so he begins to have a, a vision and a voice that tells him, if you build it, he will come. And so Ray, he, he goes out and he starts building a baseball field. And, and to everybody's surprise, I mean, he's plowing down his cornfields. This is his livelihood. So he's taking a financial risk to follow this voice and this vision that if he builds it, he will come. And everybody's thought he thinks he's out of his mind. So the adversity begins to come into his life. But he perseveres and he continues on to discover that as he does this, his whole life turns around and he finds this purpose and he builds towards that dream, which just so happens to be a giant baseball field full of dead people. It's not my dream. Maybe it's yours, but it's not mine. Regardless of the, of the strange dream, it's a common storyline, and we see it across movies. We see it in books. We see it in TV. It's people of all stages. So you might be that little kid trying to answer the question of who do I want to be when I grow up, or that teenager trying to figure out what is it like to be an adult, or that adult trying to figure out what does it look like to juggle family and life and still discover me. Or that older adult realizing what is it like as, as the children grow out and, and leave? How do we have a life? Or even older, as, as your mind stays active and your body slows. In all of these stages of life, we're still growing up. And what we find is that life often doesn't meet our expectations. And so we go looking for that purpose and something hidden, that dream that tends to be like, just beyond our reach. This time I'll get there. This time I'll have it together. And we don't have to watch the movies like Field of Dreams to know that this is true because you're just as alive as I am and we get the joy 
of living out that fear of meaninglessness in our daily lives. Now, like the people uh, building the Tower of Babel, they had a common language and they were trying to make something of themselves. And we have a common language. And that common word is personal success. And so what we say to each other is, let's go build this. Let's make a name for ourselves. We're smart. We know how to do it. We live in the land of opportunity. Let's go. And then we begin to layer on the bricks of our lives, believing that if we build it, what we are searching for will surely come. And then as we do that, that that we that we started as a collective, well, it ends up turning into the me as we try to set ourselves apart to prove that we're something. Take a look at Cain and Abel. We're going to end up doing a a, a tour through Genesis, and we're going to start with Cain and Abel. These two brothers are farmers, and and they are working the land and caring for animals together. So they're not much unlike us. They wake up, they go to work, they make something of themselves. And so they're doing their best. They're making that way for themselves, and it comes time to bring an offering before God. And Cain says, you know what? I'm going to keep the best, the first fruits for myself, and then I'm going to take what's left over to God. And what Cain is doing here is he's lost sight. He's placing his success. He's placing his meaning within those first fruits rather than offering it to God. And his brother Abel, he does the absolute opposite. He goes to God and says, here you are. Here is the best of what I have to offer. I trust you, and I give it over to you and your plan. You see, Abel works just the same way Cain works, just the same way we work. Only for Abel, his meaning is not rooted in himself. Rather, it was rooted in God. And so he has set aside that arrogance that we see and that self-striving. And because of that, you all, well, God's pleased. He sees this and he is pleased with Abel. He knows his heart and understands his offering. And Cain, well, he's just absolutely furious. He has worked hard. He has strived, striven for success. And he could have kept that for himself, but instead he had given it to, over to God only to see his brother get the recognition that he believed he deserved. And well, this, this meaning had shifted and it, and it began to be, how am I going to make something of myself? And when it wasn't panning out, the making of himself wasn't what he expected, well, he becomes consumed with his anger, and his desires become distorted. And you all know what happened, right? What happens? He murders his brother. Well, I don't think you're going to go out and murder your brother, but what we do see here is that when our focus is on our own way, well, what we've done is we have opened the door for sin and death in our life. The fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye. So why shouldn't have Eve just reached out and taken it? We do this all the time, you all. We see it. It looks good. Probably tastes good. Must mean it's good for me. So I'm going to go out. I'm going to work for it. It's right in front of me. All I have to do is go get it, and it can be mine. 
Again, a tour through Genesis. We're going to flash forward to before Noah and the flood. And the people are beginning to multiply and spread. And what we saw happening with Cain, right? He's, he's determined on his own purpose, his own striving, and sin and death has entered. Well, now you all, this is multiplied across the earth. The people see what is beautiful, pleasing to the eye. They want it. They go consume it. And wickedness spreads across the earth until God is going, I don't even know why I made humans in the first place. This is terrible. You see, God had warned Adam and Eve. He had said what was going to happen if they ate the fruit, but they do it anyway. God warned Cain. He said, if you continue in this way, sin is crouching at your door. And yet Cain went and did it anyway. And so despite God's warnings, despite the floods, all of the people continue to take matters into their own hands. And so God God drives Adam and Eve out of the garden. He drives uh, Cain out of the land that he was working. And there they become lonely wanderers away from God's presence, left to toil. Here again in our scripture today at the Tower of Babel, the people still have not learned that their answer rests in God because what they want is to become like God. And they begin to build their tower saying, watch us, we'll make our way to heavens without you. We've got this. Those resourceful people with everything at their hands, well, they almost did it. And God looks down and he sees the arrogance of what they're doing, their arrogance that they believe that they can build their way to where they want to go, that he spreads them all across the earth, leaving them confused, separated, and unable to communicate. And so what we see among the farmers and the floods and this tower of Babel are the people continuing to build their way, to make their way without God. And as they do that, sin continues to enter, continues to wreak havoc, and then the people are scattered and lonely. When we are in the grip of how to have things on our terms and how to control the situation, that we end up like them. We are constantly on that run, on the run, driven by an endless search. And it begins to, to root confusion in our hearts, that search for meaning, till we become our own lonely wasteland as we wander the world looking for purpose. And that cycle of searching for hope outside of God, it continues to reap that destruct, destruction. But what we find is it's not the, the search that's actually the struggle. It's that we try to go about it without a guide as we leave God behind and say, you know what, we got this. I can do this. I can find my meaning. It's not about you, God. It's about me. And so like Cain, we define ourselves by the striving of our hands as we compare ourselves to others until we become the lonely wanderer. Like the world before the flood, we crave and desire more until our hearts are disordered and at risk of destruction. And like the Tower of Babel, we try again to build everything by our own works, saying, I don't need you. Watch us build our way to the heavens and make a name for ourselves. We are the Adam and Eve in our own lives who listen to the lies that says we can do it all our own. Now, you all, it gets dark as you move through Genesis. And you're probably sitting here going, thanks, Amy. We liked it better when you were threatening to do the MC Hammer, or maybe we should have just gone out for breakfast. But amid all of this darkness, this terrible news, 
is that in all the brokenness, the broken people and the broken actions, there is a God still searching for us. God was there as a guide all along. He was in the garden speaking to the people. He was there with Cain telling him what was to come. And even when they chose their own way, even when they ignored God and chose their own way, God was there to protect. You see, Cain had killed his brother, and yet God gives him a family and and protects him as, as he lives out the rest of his life. Even though the world was lost, completely lost in wickedness, God found a way to start things new. He takes one man who followed God and obeyed, and then eight people step onto a boat to redeem all that had been broken and to restore new life. So if God can restore a world through one man, imagine what God can do in you. The people of Babel may have been scattered, but God never stopped pursuing, never stopped providing, even to the ends of the earth. God is a God of full measures, meeting us with the fullness of salvation and response to all of this brokenness. And so when it feels dark and lost and empty, it is equally full of God's love and redemption and light as God responds in full measure. And that is what grace is all about. And it points to a fundamental distinction between Christianity and other religions. And I know I went out searching for them, climbing the ladder to that glass ceiling on my own purposes and my own strength until I realized I couldn't do it. It wasn't on me. And then come before the Lord and lay it before him and surrender. And that is the truth of Christianity as God comes to us. And God hasn't left you either. Knowing who you are and what you would do, God created the world and the rescue plan to tell you that you are loved, to tell you that you are wanted. And so what we end up calling bad and trying to fix, well, God says you're good and you are mine. And God shows up for us to break those lies that drive us away. The question is, will we show up for God so that he can speak the truth of love to us? Trusting God is tough, but when we find our story inside of God's story, what we discover is that we don't just hear that we are loved. So it's one thing for me to tell you that you are loved, but inside of God's story, he shows us over and over again that we're loved. And so when we stop trying to do it all on our own and surrender into God, what we find is God was already searching for us. All we had to do was stop running. Now, Ray, he does end up finding his field of dreams. But it wasn't what he thought. It wasn't that baseball, baseball field that he toiled to build. Instead, what happens is out there amid all of the ghosts of players past, Ray's dad appears. And there is when Ray realizes that what was missing from his life was a relationship with his father. And there in that place, they are brought together and they find reconciliation and relationship. And that's a strange turn from from the success story that, that we normally hear. Because it wasn't that Ray ended up making millions with his killer baseball field, vacationing in Tahiti and proving everyone wrong because he really is that startup success he always knew he was. 
Instead, the answer was in relationship, and it was in forgiveness. God said, it's already built. It's already done. All we need to do is be open to the work of the Spirit in our, in our lives instead of what we can do ourselves. And so we ask, what does that look like for us? Well, we see it in Abel. We saw where Cain went wrong, but Abel, he offered his meaning and purpose over to God and trusted God with his plan. We know in Noah what it means to be faithful and obey and that keeping us from following the distorted desires of the world. And we know in Jesus what it means to follow God's teachings and love. So you all, we have it. It's right here. We have it in Scripture and one another, the Spirit at work among us. And so wherever we are, whatever stage you are currently in right now, this is the place that we start. When our hearts are yearning for something more, that something more is God because we were made for relationship with him. And he calls us back to forgive us, to protect us, and to guide us. And that was the plan all along. Amid those farmers and the floods and the fingers of the Tower of Babel, as they pointed them at God, saying, we can do it ourselves. And in that plan, God doesn't come to tell us that we're bad, but to tell us that we're so good that God will experience the difficulties of life and conquer death for us, just so that we can be in his living presence. That is grace in full bounty as the people searching end up being the people found. All we need to do is surrender. Our story may have started with a fall, but it ends with redemption. Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Lord God, we just thank you so much. We thank you for your continued word in our lives. Lord, we, we read these stories and we watch it play out over and over again in ourselves and in those we love. And we just thank you that you meet us with grace. So Lord, we just step forward towards you. We turn wherever we are with a heart of repentance that we might be your people following faithfully after you. We thank you, Lord. And we claim that you call us good and you call us loved. And we just ask that your spirit might transform us and renew us, that we can be more like you as a witness in this world. And we just lift this up, Lord, in your heavenly and holy name, Jesus. Amen.